It's a three minutes past 12. This is a midday live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Top stories this hour. The rerun of the ANC Free State Conference gets underway today in Volcom. And the situation is calm but tense in Newaselton outside Emelo. These and other stories coming up shortly. But uh, let's run to the newsroom and say good afternoon to Asanda Matsaunyan. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Thanks. Malema's partly built mansion is auctioned for 5.9 million and South African pilots arrested in Namibia return. That's in the news this hour. Good afternoon. Expelled ANC Youth League President Julius Malema's Sandown mansion has been sold for 5.9 million rand. The half-finished property went under the hammer a short while ago. It was bought by Norman Globatler, CEO of a company called Magnified Designs. The home was attached by the court to help cover Malema's tax bill. Melanie Moses reports. Malema bought the property in 2009 for 3.6 million rand. He had the existing structure torn down and began building his own mansion. The plans provide for a private cinema room, a cigar lounge, a pool and a spa bath, a wine cellar, a coffee bar and even a song room. But the structure doesn't have fittings, flooring or windows yet. Melanie Moses, SABC News, Johannesburg. Scores of people are picketing outside the Constitutional Court in Johannesburg as the case between the Gauteng Education Department and Rivonia Primary School gets underway. The protesters want the court to rule against the school. In 2011, the school refused to admit a grade one learner, saying it didn't have the capacity. The department later ordered the school to admit the learner. The court is expected to decide on who has the final say on school admission policies, the SGBs or the department. The SABC's Orsani Stolis in court. A group of learners skipped class this morning to picket outside the constitutional court. Some can be seen carrying placards that read, quality education for all, Rivonia affects us all. They are also singing the controversial Aya Salamakwala song. Meanwhile, the hearing continues in court. For SABC Radio News, Amorisani Sitole, the Constitutional Court. Warmer residents in Port Elizabeth have disrupted the launch of a 14.6 million rand housing project which Human Settlements Minister Tokyo Sukhwale had attended. The angry residents say the project cannot go on unless commitments are made to build more RDP houses. They want the Human Settlements Department and Mayor Ben Fiedler to buy the Warmer Golf Club in order to build the houses. Local leaders are currently negotiating with the protesting residents. The South African Taxi Association Council says the current national bus driver strike has benefited the taxi industry. The drivers, who are members of trade union Satau, embarked on a nationwide strike following failed salary negotiations. Santaco National Secretary General Philip Taibosch. We are saying to Satau and the bus owners that it is imperative that both of them comes to a compromise position where the two of them are able to agree. But we are also saying to the employers that uh, if we find a reason of uh, putting some few cents extra on our employees, let's do that without actually prolong it because it's not benefiting Satao members, it's not benefiting the employers, it's also not benefiting the commuters who have already paid. Traffic flow has been disrupted on the N1 next to the Baobab toll gate in Musina following a horrific accident this morning. A taxi carrying passengers from Johannesburg to Musina smashed into a stationary truck. Twelve people were killed and eight were seriously injured. The SABC's Mauritian Gekana reports. 
Police, traffic and municipal officials had their hands full. The taxi, which had 19 passengers, was pulled from underneath the truck and was broken into several pieces. Police say the truck had a mechanical failure and stopped in the middle of the road. It is alleged the driver did not see the signs placed near the truck to warn other motorists. The driver was unharmed. A case of culpable homicide has been opened. Twelve South African pilots arrested in Namibia are on their way home. They were detained at Ondangwa Airport at the weekend for not having the correct flight documents. The pilots were using their holiday to raise funds for cancer. They've reportedly paid admission of guilt fines and have been allowed to leave the airport. Recapping the top story, expelled ANC Youth League President Julius Malema's partly built Sandown mansion in Santon has been auctioned for 5.9 million rand. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Headlines at 12.30. Over to you, Bonke. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Eight minutes past 12. This is Midday Live indeed on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Asanda Matsaunyana, back at the bottom of the hour. The TAS team appointed to oversee the rerun of the ANC Free State Elective Conference says the meeting will go ahead as planned despite claims by disgruntled members that they foresee problems. The Free State ANC lobby group known as Regime Change says it will not participate at the provincial elective conference scheduled for this weekend. So we'll be looking at that particular story but also scores of people are picketing outside the Constitutional Court in Johannesburg as the case between the Gauteng Education Department and Rivonia Primary School gets underway. The protests, or rather protesters, want want the court to rule against the school. So we'll be telling you more about that. Our reporter, Horisani Sitole, is uh, on that matter. Let's go to the province of Mpumalanga now. The situation is calm but tense in Wesselton outside Ermelo, Pumalanga, after residents set a municipal office alight yesterday. This after the residents marched to the municipal offices against poor service delivery in their township. They also barricaded roads with burning tires. The residents are demanding the resignation of some officials accuse, accusing them of uh, corruption. But a municipal manager there, Tami Lamini, has dismissed the claims as unfounded. For more on this now, he joins us on the line. Mr. Lamini, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your listeners. Let's start with the latest situation right now. A municipal building was set alight yesterday. How much was the damage and how is the situation right now? Uh, the situation right now is very calm. Uh, the estimated cost for the damage is around 200000 mm, But uh, how, how much of the building was, was, was burned? They, they spent three offices and then and, and also stole about four computers. Why is this? Uh, well, I will say it is that disgruntled youth who are looking for uh, uh, job opportunities. And then now they see the municipality as a panacea for all the uh, social ills of the country. So, so it, it, it's, it's got nothing to do with uh, service delivery, is that what it, you're telling us? Yes, so it has nothing to do with service delivery. And, and uh, how do you know this? Uh, we know because those uh, young people that were toitoing, uh, those, are, uh, become, those are from the group called MMC, uh, who are very troublesome within our municipality. You know, from time to time, you know, they will uh, cause some unrest so that we could uh, uh, attend to their issues of uh, employment opportunities.
Mm. And and how are you dealing with this situation now? Because obviously the, the property has been damaged. Well, uh, we've opened a case uh, of malicious damage to the property and then we have uh, left it to the SAPS to deal with the matter. All right, but uh, there, there are problems in that uh, municipality. Also, we hear uh, issues of uh, uh, electricity cuts. We hear issues of water uh, supply, incessant water supply, and, and, and all those things. So it can't really just be young people who wanted to be employed, but also there are genuine issues of uh, lack of uh, service delivery. Uh, well, uh, I will say that uh, we are having some challenges with the water supply. As we all know, that uh, in, in MLO, uh, the both dams, the sources of, of the water, you know, the dams ran dry. Uh, but what we are doing currently, we are providing water through water cards to the affected communities. So I don't know whether if we are providing water through water cards, and then can you call that as a, what you call a service delivered. In terms of the electricity, uh, we had a problem with one of our pulse pen circuit breakers, which we, we, we replaced last week, uh, uh, Saturday. So the issue of the electricity outages is the thing of the past. So I don't know if people are saying or purporting that there's issues of service delivery, uh, what kind of uh, service delivery they are talking about. Because from time to time, we as a municipality are responding, you know, to the issues that are uh, coming out from the community members. The the the, the young people, as you put it, from uh, MMC, that uh, organization that you say, might want to strike again. So what kind of measures do you have in place to make sure that this doesn't happen again? We always encourage them that they must come on board so that we could sit down with them and find a way, a solution as to how best can we resolve the issue of uh, un- unemployment for, for, for young people. You know, about 40% of the community of, uh, of um, Sugalik constitute young people. And I understand that those young people are frustrated because they are looking for or they are seeking for job uh, opportunities. And, and, and such, you know, uh, they are limited. All right, uh, we thank you very much, uh, Tamid Lamine, municipal manager of uh, Wesselton outside MLO. Just uh, one uh, quick uh, tweet here coming from Sia saying that uh, hell has broke loose here in Wesselton Township in MLO. Striking people have kicked pup- pupils, teachers out of school. Nyaope edicts. That's what he says, but it came through uh, much, much earlier. Staying with this issue now, we go to the MEC of uh, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs in Pumalanga, Simons Kosana. MEC, Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What is your take on the wave of uh, protests in your province, especially in the Khertsibande district, Emelom, Sukaligwa, and now Wesselton? No, no, no. We, we, we think that uh, uh, what, what is happening is totally unacceptable. As government, we can't accept uh, lawlessness. You know, as, as as government of the ANC, we fought for the right of people to to protest, people to show if there there are things that are not are not going well in their around their communities. But we can't accept the fact that when people are angry, then they go and destroy the property that belongs to them. That in itself is anarchy, and anarchy will never be accepted. Mm. But having said that, we have noticed in the province that we have challenges. In the main, our challenges are centered around water. That is why, as a province, we have said that in all the budgets of, of our municipalities, we want to see a dent uh, and, and uh, uh, these budgets going towards addressing the issue of, of water. 
That is why we're saying that each and every budget that we want to see uh, must have an element of 75% spending on addressing issues of water in any municipality. All right. Because come next year, we don't want to speak about these issues of water anymore. Right. Uh, the, the issue of water, but also another issue is the issue of electricity. We see uh, uh, municipalities here buying electricity for so much, say 10 million rand from ESCOM and hope to make uh, that 10 million rand when they sell it back to the residents. But because of electricity theft, they will recoup only 4 million rand. So surely that is not sustainable. So it talks to electricity theft in that uh, uh, province, particularly the, the Khersibande district municipalities and the municipalities that I've alluded to. So what are you doing to make sure that uh, you deal with this situation because it's unsustainable. No, you're absolutely correct. All that we're saying is that, uh, you know, as, as government, we've got to have systems and systems that will be able to control, systems that will be able to tell us. I mean, we must be, there must be a system that will give you a warning quite early. Uh, in a system, if your system is correct, you'll be able to, to, to read all those things. The, 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 these illegal connections and the rest of the other things that are happening, it speaks to the capacity of, our, of, 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 of the workforce that we have, uh, 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 that whether, I don't know, I don't know whether it's about capacity or are we not employing the right people to be able to assist us. Mm. Because we must understand that as, as, as politicians, as councillors, uh, would, 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 would go in and put down and say, this is what we want to do in terms of electricity, the policies are there. But these people must be able to implement those policies. So, uh, so, so, are, so, so you're talking to now uh, uh, the, 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 the bureaucrats, you're talking about uh, the issues of uh, civil servants who are working there, who are not doing their jobs to make sure that service delivery is indeed dispatched to, to, this, to, to the society. Absolutely, absolutely. How does it happen that uh, as, 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 as a municipality, we have a, a plan that we're going to collect X amount and come at the end of the day, we're not collecting that X amount, we're calling, collecting far less than that, even 50% less than that. It tells you that there's a problem. In the manner in which we're doing our things, probably we're planning, but there is a general problem. Okay. We, we have said, we have met with the municipalities uh, a day before yesterday, and we have said, all of us, together with the, with, the, with, the, with the mayors, that we need to look at this thing in a, in a different manner, so that we are a bit focused. And we must also be able to be honest with ourselves if there are issues of capacity, so that we are able to, to, to handle those things. All right. Uh, MEC uh, Simon Skosana, thank you very much. Uh, he is the MEC of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs in the province of Mpumalanga. Um, we'll be revisiting uh, this uh, particular story uh, in a a couple of days to come. It's uh, 17 and a half minutes now past 12. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. And our top story this hour, expelled NC Youth League President Julius Malema's uh, partly built sundown mansion in Sentin, Johannesburg, has been auctioned for 5.9 million rand. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,471.85 an ounce, platinum at $1,510.65 an ounce. The rand is trading at 8 rand 99 cents against the US dollar at 14 rand to the pound and 11 rand 82 cents. To the euro. Imagine having the freedom to create, read, watch, organize, and share your life on the go. Being able to read news or maybe check the stock markets anywhere, anytime, and in perfect clarity thanks to reading mode, all while using the S Pen to make notes on an 8-inch screen. Why not write a review and send an email at the same time using multi-window? 
where you can stop imagining. Because it's here, the new Samsung Galaxy Note 8. It moves you. Join me, Vuyombuli, this Thursday and Friday, the 9th and the 10th of May, as I come to you live from the Hotel Investment Conference Africa, Hika, at Elangeni Hotel, Durban. Hika is a premier business-to-business networking platform focused on showcasing Africa as a viable investment destination for the hotel and hospitality sector. For more information, visit www.hika.co.za. This broadcast is made possible by the Tourism Business Council South Africa in partnership with the province of KwaZulu-Natal. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. The World Economic Forum on Africa is on in Cape Town. Dashan Moodley is there to help us uh, understand some of the issues. Good afternoon to you, Dashan. Well, a very good afternoon, Bongi. It's good to talk with you on Midday Live. As you say, we're coming to you live from the Cape Town ICC, where the World Economic Forum on Africa is in full swing. Uh, I heard you talking about water issues a little bit earlier on. Now, the Minister of Water and Environmental Affairs, Edna Molewa, has been attending the water session held here at WEF on Africa. The, uh, they're discussing the strategic Water Partners Network, an initiative that they announced exactly two years ago here at WEF. As part of this package, the network is uh, developing a tool to support municipalities like the one that you spoke to a short while ago to take on the challenge of reducing water leakages in their system. When rolled out, this, the research suggests that the country will be able to save around 619 million cubic meters of water, closing the country's water gap by 3.5 percent by 2020. What does this all mean? Well, we will discuss what environmental groups are hoping to get out of the World Economic Forum shortly uh, when we speak to WWF CEO Mornay Du. Currently, the the main plenary session is underway. That's what President Jacob Zuma, the AU chairperson in Kosozana Dlamini Zuma, and President of the African Development Bank, Donald Kabaruka. The discussion is entitled, How Will Collaboration with BRICS, now that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, empower Africa to deliver on its promises? Uh, They've highlighted the issue of competitiveness in Africa and the challenges on the continent. Uh, And one of the key issues mentioned was how difficult it is for Africans to travel in Africa. In contrast to Europeans who seem to be able to travel anywhere in the EU with a Schengen visa. Now, there are various ministerial delegations from all across the continent and further afield attending the World Economic Forum. The Swedish Minister of Foreign Affairs, Carl Bildt, says uh, the race by many developed countries to invest on the continent will make it possible for Africa to choose what's best for it, built uh, accompanied by a delegation of five ministers from his country who are speaking on the sidelines of WEF in Cape Town. Sweden plans to grow its investments in Africa in the areas of telecommunications, transportation and mining. For the latest on this now, we're joined uh, in the studio by our senior economics reporter, Seppo Mongwai. Seppo, very good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good afternoon. First of all, what, what were some of the highlights of uh, the session you attended? Well, it's a, it's a bilateral uh, discussion between South Africa uh, led by um, Minister Maitengwana Mashabani from the Department of International Relations. Uh, she was accompanied by Minister Rob Davies, a Deputy Minister of Finance in Tantanene, uh, and, and other ministers. Um, and, and from the, uh, the, 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 the Swedish side, there were also several ministers from of finance, of foreign affairs. Um, it, it was a, a high-powered team. Uh, so they discussed uh, issues 
of investment mainly we know that for example sweden is expecting to grow at around one percent this year we know problems in europe in general mm. there isn't much demand so companies are looking for new avenues new areas of growth and we know that in africa that is where the activity is he did mention that there mm. is race well we are competing looking at africa like you say if we contrast europe with this one percent growth africa according to the world bank says we have 4.7 percent growth this year beating out any of the developing world estimations are that we're going to be growing at six percent as a continent by next year the fastest growing anywhere in the world how are we going to use that growth to leverage ourselves especially with businesses being here wanting to invest with us how, how are we engaging with Sweden on this? Well, the different areas um, of investment that they are interested in. We, we've got several uh, Swedish companies that have been doing business mainly in, in, in South Africa, but they're also looking at ways to expand. Uh, and I think the delegations, it's mainly looking at the World Economic Forum, the fact that you've got various African ministers present here. They've got a lot of discussions with them. But what they've mentioned is Africa is spoiled for choice in terms of what is good for the continent, uh, given interest that uh, the world is showing in terms of investment. And as a result, we're seeing infrastructure projects uh, starting to gain momentum uh, in the areas of energy, in the area of, um, you know, uh, uh, renewable energy, especially. Uh, so there is huge interest. But, but how, are we, how are we dealing with the challenges? And I know that's that's what you want to talk about now. It's, there's a number of challenges. The competitiveness report, which was released today by uh, the World Economic Forum, highlights some of the challenges that we're experiencing on the continent to advise that growth that we were hoping to achieve. Absolutely. Although South Africa, as you mentioned earlier on, or Africa in general, especially the sub-Saharan Africa, we're expecting uh, in terms of growth projections around 5% growth for, the, for, for this year. Uh, that's much, much better than many developed nations, with the exception of uh, China, India, Brazil. So there is uh, really a good uh, momentum that is building. But the issue of competitiveness, it's still a major problem. The report says that uh, even though we're seeing uh, the so-called gas and energy exporting uh, countries doing very well in terms of GDP, the underlying basics are not quite well oil machine, I mean, mach uh, quite uh, uh, well uh, planned so there are there is a challenge in in, in that area uh, con competitiveness for example just getting things done on time they talk about policy competitiveness mm -hmm. institutional competitiveness that's where you're seeing a, a gap uh, for example um, integration uh, or intra-African uh, trade, it's still a challenge. Uh, you're not able to move goods from one country to another on the continent at a time that is actually make business sense. So it is one of, one of the problems that they also highlighted. Um, Sepo, thank you so much for joining us. Senior economist reporter Sepo Mangwai will be looking out for you on PM Live. I know he's got a package for us on uh, some of the discussions he's been attending. Now, many are asking, is there a win-win situation that can be be reached at the World Economic Forum. Business people are here to stimulate, they say, further economic growth and employment in Africa. But can this also lead to poverty reduction while also improving healthcare, education, and addressing one of the growing concerns around the world, and that is the environment? 
Joining me in studio now is the World Wildlife Federation CEO, Monet Duplessis. Mr. Duplessis, thanks very much for joining us. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure. What, what are you hoping to get out of WEF? Because there's not many of you here, and that's a, a bit of a surprise. We've contacted various environmental groups, various NGOs, civil society as well, and they tell us they're outside. You're inside, so thankfully we have you here. But why are you such a rarity, almost uh, an endangered species yourself at WEF? Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, WWF as a global organization uh, takes the approach of uh, being confident in business's ability to make a real difference uh, in, in in terms of the future and how we go forward. Without business. Uh, we are constantly going to remain in the environmental ghetto trying to fight fires rather than uh, positively recognizing that there are developmental needs. Uh, and uh, I also want to make the point that environmental issues are very intertwined with social issues. And we want to make sure that the voice uh, of uh, social importance uh, as manifested through environmental impacts uh, is made at a, at, at a forum like this. What sort of impact do you think you're having here? Are you helping to push your agenda and the agenda, I guess, of the African continent, of the people who support the governments, who support the businesses? Are you managing to advance the issues that you think are most critical? Yes, I think so. Uh, you know, one shouldn't uh, believe that, uh, you know, uh, a single organization at a forum like this has a massive uh, impact, but uh, certainly the voice of the environmental sector needs to be heard here. And, and I was very encouraged in a session this morning uh, with business people where water, climate, the carbon intensity of our economy, uh, the fact that uh, we sometimes take our eye off the ball with water resources when we talk about engineering solutions, uh, so we want to build a railroad to get coal out of some mountainous area. Uh, we have to think simply about uh, protecting our ecological assets, our ecological infrastructure, so that we don't strip for short-term rewards and then uh, sit with the long-term uh, pain of having to sit with dirty water and uh, health impacts on the communities that live around those areas. Mm. There's been a lot said about regional integration, getting Africa to work as a single community on issues of, of business, of investment, of growth. Do you think we should be doing so on environmental issues as well? Of course, yes, and we are. Uh, so uh, an organization like WWF is in 21 African countries. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, a good number. And certainly we uh, constantly seek for coordination, integration, uh, because a catchment, a river that divides two countries, obviously has uh, two uh, parts of the catchment, one flowing in from the other side of the boundary. And so we cannot separate ourselves. Water systems uh, integrally bind us together, if nothing else. Well, we unfortunately have to leave it there. And as we say, water issues, uh, a big a concern here at WEF and a, a number of discussions happening uh, currently underway on this. World Wildlife Federation CEO, Monu Duplessis, thank you so much for joining us. We will have more on the World Economic Forum on Africa here in Cape Town at the ICC. You can tune in on midday on PM Live between 4 and 6 p.m. to hear more. But right now, it's exactly 12.30. Time to get your news headlines with Asanda Matsonyane.
Thanks, Darshan. Uh, in the headlines, the Sundown Mansion, belonging to expelled ANC Youth League President Julius Malema, has gone under the hammer. It's been sold for 5.9 million rand. Scores of people are picketing outside the Constitutional Court in Johannesburg as the case between the Gauteng Education Department and Rivonia Primary School gets underway. The protesters want the court to rule against the school. And former Pakistani Prime Minister Yusuf Raza Gilani says his son has been kidnapped by unidentified gunmen during an election rally. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Details at 11. I'm rather at 1 o'clock. Why am I taking us back? No. And we want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) At 1 o'clock. Let's make it. That's more like it. Nancy Richards, 1 o'clock is more like it, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) At 1 o'clock is when I come alive, yeah. (laughs) Well, what we've got on otherwise today, going to be talking to a film producer, a very well-established film producer in the industry, who is at the cutting edge of what's called branded content. So we'll find out more about that. Okay. There you go. Thank you very much, Nancy Richards. <laughs> Looking forward to between one and two, uh, of course, uh, when we get otherwise. And uh, Natalie Chimanos, what's going on at the Soweto Open? Well, we've just seen a, an awesome battle on court number two, and that was between Tadej Majerik of Slovenia, the number three seed, and Teodora Mercic of Serbia. Yesterday, Mercic knocked out one of the seeds, that's Jovana Jakšić, and this time around, she's done it again. In the quarterfinals, she's knocked out the number three seed, winning 5-7-6-1 and 7-5. After losing that first set, it did look like Majerik would be able to take it home, but it was amazing comeback by Mercic, who yesterday also went down a set and was really struggling with the speed of the court and the speed at which her opponent was playing it and it was very similar today she was able to slow things down yet again took the second set 6-1 and then after a bit of a tough battle in that final set eventually took it 7-5 she had a couple of match points and then eventually converted to take it and find herself in the semi-finals she also joins a Chanel Simmons who's in the semi-finals South Africa Chanel Simmons becomes the first South African to make it through to the semi-finals so a, a wonderful effort by Chanel Simmons who earlier on beat Julia Glasgow the number two seed, seven five and six love. She's awaiting to see who her opponent will be in the semi-finals. As right now, they are on court at the moment. Jade Windley is up against Nadia Kitchenok, and Jade Windley took the first set six two, and she is down to love in the second set. Natalie Jimanis for SAFM Sport. Thank you very much, Natalie. It's uh, 27 and a half minutes to one. This is Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's go to the Free State now, where the task team appointed to oversee the rerun of uh, the ANC Free State elective conference says the meeting will go ahead as planned. This despite claims by disgruntled members that uh, they foresee problems. The Free State ANC lobby group known as Regime Change says it will not participate at the provincial elective conference that is scheduled to take place this weekend in Valcom. The group leader Mpo Ramakatsa says the party's provincial task team has excluded them in the preparations there. Our reporter is Edwin Sidi who is down there in Valcom in the Free State. Uh, Edwin, first let's talk about uh, the, the, the preparations but also in fact go as far as saying is the conference uh, starting this weekend, the registrations and so on. We had all sorts of uh, reports, uh, contrasting reports saying uh, that it's not going ahead. Registrations, there are problems there. Uh, what what do you have? 
Well, uh, Bongi, good afternoon. Bongi, what I can tell you is that the convener of the PTT, that is the provincial task team that was uh, appointed by the ANC to oversee the rerun of the meeting, has assured its members that it also can go for this uh, week's conference uh, that is uh, basically expected to start tomorrow. Well, uh, with regard to registration processes, well, uh, we have had those reports, but Oupa uh, Khobani, who said the ANC spokesperson in this province, has just told me before I spoke to you that uh, the registration process will begin this afternoon and uh, from what I can see here in Velkom Bongis that the ANC members from various regions and branches are beginning to arrive at various hotels here in Velkom. Right, uh, right now there's an ANC media briefing that is currently underway. I'm sure you sneaked out of it. Uh, but uh, so far, what, what has been said? Well, uh, Bongi, if I can say that the, the, the media briefing is yet to begin. We are still waiting for members of the provincial task team to arrive here at the Welcome Inn Hotel. However, just to take your, I mean, on your question further, is that we expected that you will know that during the week, SADC reported that uh, there were four outstanding uh, uh, queries that uh, the PTT had to deal with. So we expected that uh, when the, the PTT arrived at this hotel, they will tell us uh, what, uh, I mean, what are those queries because we are interested to hear about them. I should say that in Paramagasa, who said uh, the the leader or who who, who led the Concord uh, challenge uh, against the June elective conference has said that uh, you know what uh, our region and our branch have not been invited to this conference so so basically meaning that uh, they are not going to attend this conference uh, and it appears that uh, you know I mean from what uh, I can gather from him is that uh, you know the process has been read that is according to him he says that you know there's no reason for us to come to this meeting because uh, number one we have not uh, we have not been informed number two you know what the the, the the Concord decision that declared the I mean the, the last year conference null and void was not was not respected by the PTT. So he's throwing all sorts of allegations. However, Sisin Dombela, as I said earlier, who is the convener of the PTT, says that you know what, no matter what, this conference is going ahead. Come Friday. We thank you very much, Edwin C D, our reporter in Valcom. In fact, we do have uh, uh, a Ramakata on the line of uh, the regime change group. Uh, Mr. Ramakata, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir, and your listeners. You are threatening to pull out of uh, this conference, uh, even not participating, let me put it that way. Why is that? No, we have not, we have not threatened pulling out of the conference. Let me put this thing into its proper perspective. All what you are saying is, is that the, a, the processes leading to this conference were not properly managed. The ANC constitution, its policies and guidelines were not implemented to the latter. And we are saying, as, as members of the ANC and branches of the ANC, we heard about conference over the media. Uh, you know, in, in a healthy organization, the provincial secretary rise to a regional secretary, and the regional secretary then informs branches of the ANC. Mm. That's how things are done. Uh, all right. And we are saying... And we are saying uh, you cannot invite yourself to a party. Uh, an invitation has to be extended for members of the NC to attend the conference. Uh, there has to be an audit that determines whether the branch is in good standing. There must be a a number of delegated uh, of delig- uh, a number of delegates allocated to branch. Mm. And then there must uh, that by uh, that BGM or by AGM delegates are then elected by members of the ANC in that particular branch for them to represent them at a conference.
conference at any level. Now, I am saying these things did not happen in other branches. All right. And in other branches, a where there were parallels. You know, a, the intervention of the one has to say the intervention of the NEC deployees, you know, a, was fine in terms of interacting and making decisions. But the implementation of those decisions, NEC deployees has not been has not been hands on. All right. Therefore, uh, when when did you hear about this uh, about this conference? You're saying you heard about it over the media. When was this? Uh, because if you are still a member of the NC, surely you would have raised this with uh, the the relevant structures there. Definitely, immediately I've heard of the conference, which was on the Friday. The following day, on a Monday, I wrote a letter to the NEC of the NC. You know, raising my concerns around the processes and the announcement of the conference. Mm. And indeed, I wrote a letter to the NEC addressed to Comrade uh, Guadamantashi. I also addressed, in fact, I wrote a letter to Comrade uh, Melis Gigaba, a head of NEC deployees in this province, and copied the Secretary General of the NEC for the attention of the NEC. So this is last indeed, Friday. You heard about it this past Friday? No, uh, 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 not this past one. Uh, a, a Friday, a week before last. Okay. And next week, Monday, I indeed wrote a letter and submitted it. And the, it was acknowledged the following day and informed that uh, there's a team that would come and, uh, and listen to to all members and, and, and branches of the NC that lodged complaints. Has that team come? <clears throat> and, now, and, and, and now, indeed, I met with that team. I met with Comrade from the NEC, Comrade Matlobo yesterday, and Comrade Mdu, who had a ANC National Organizing Department. And we raised all these issues. And their position was they indeed we are raising serious organizational challenges, but they are unable to take decisions on a on, on, on number of those issues. They would then give Comrade Gwede a report yesterday, and they would come back to us or to me, to us today before the end of business okay and then then giving in writing giving us the feedback and the outcomes of a a, a the decision after them submitted the report so, so while that and is still pending and, uh, while that is still then, pending uh, as we as we are wrapping up uh, here sir while that is uh, still pending uh, are you, you going to participate in this or not number one number two if the conference goes ahead are you going to challenge this in court you know what? We can't decide whether we participate or not. We have followed proper procedures, internal processes of the African National Congress. When we heard, we wrote letters, and now the team came to us. The question might be, you know, why the conference was announced at a short notice? Because we'd have been given enough time of raising the concerns of them being addressed, you know, in time before the conference. You okay. see now a. The conference is just announced, and then you have to write. Everything has to be done within the very short space of time. You see, we are still waiting for the outcomes of our interaction, us exploiting internal processes, and decide, as it happens with the previous Paris conference, on the eve of the conference, the day before the eve of the registration, we were sitting with Comrade, uh, the former head of the deployees, then uh, Comrade Susan Shabangu. Saying he's addressing the concerns. The following day, there was a registration and conference continued. Okay. So we are saying today we are waiting for the response. Okay. And the response that we'll be getting from a the NEC deployees 
would then determine what should be our next cause of action. All right, uh, let's we leave it at that. We can't put the cart before the horse now. I hear you, know? you uh, Mpora Makatsa. Thank you very much. I, I guess we'll be talking some more about this issue. And, uh, of course, the TAS team saying that uh, the, the, the conference will go ahead uh, despite uh, all the concerns uh, that have been raised. Poor Ramaka, Rama, uh, Ramakatsa is uh, with uh, the uh, group called Regime Change. You remember they took the ANC there to court, to constitutional court, and uh, the court uh, ruled in their favor uh, so the conference had to be uh, reconvened let's talk now to our horisani sitole scores of people are picketing outside the constitutional court in johannesburg as the case between the gauteng education department and rivonia primary school uh, is underway the protesters want the court to rule against the school in uh, 2011 the school refused to admit a grade one learner saying it did not have the capacity horisani talk us through first what is happening outside the court and then let's go inside the court and uh, talk us through those issues. Uh, Good afternoon. I'm surrounded by a group of fans here on my right. On my left, I see women from the ANC Youth League and also members of Section 27. Uh, currently, in, earlier on, the chanting songs and uh, the controversial Ayasa song uh, where they've been carrying placards, where one of them reads quality education for all. And then others were saying... Uh, on their basis, uh, Almal. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, uh, outside it's calm right now, but then earlier there's been uh, uh, a lot of singing and chanting, but we expect this to resume once the court has again for, for lunch. Mm. But uh, the issue really here was uh, sparked by uh, Rivonia Primary School's refusal to admit a grade one pupil, and that de- decision was uh, overruled by the Gauteng Education Department. Just talk us through the, 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 the content of uh, this matter. Uh, when you remember, this case has been in and out of court. I mean, they've been to the Supreme Court and now back at the, at, at, at the Constitutional Court. So now uh, two councils of uh, two representatives of the Equal Education, who were uh, the, the applicants, uh, uh, have, have already uh, made their uh, 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 submissions to the court. Now the court is listening to, to, the, to, to the defense lawyer of, 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 of the uh, primary school. And some of the arguments that were raised is that... Uh, if, uh, if, I mean, the, 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 some of the, 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 the two, two, two representatives, some of the things that I said is that uh, the, 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 the school doesn't have the right, actually, to, 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 to turn away learners. But if they do so, only the principal, not the school governing body, but only the principal can do so. And after he has done so, he will have to write, into, to write a, a letter to, to, to the parents uh, explaining his reasons or as to why to refuse that learner admission. And now some of the arguments that are raised is that uh, uh, at the same time the FGD cannot be, uh, uh, I mean, responsible for that. But uh, the deputy chief justice said the FGD has the responsibility to know what's happening to their kids. I mean, they're, they're not uh, one of the calls that he said was that they're, they're not some object that fell from Mars, but then they, they have the responsibility to, to to know what's happening. All right, uh, thank you very much there to our reporter, Horisani Sitole, and of course more uh, on this particular story on PM Live this uh, afternoon. And uh, shortly we'll be updating the death toll in uh, this morning's accident on uh, the N1 in Musina that has risen to 13. Trimethyl aminuria is a condition that makes human sweat smell like putrefying fish. That's what Adam thinks as he winds down the windows of his car. And he's a real sweater which is why he's decided to sell the car. 
So should you smell something fishy while viewing the used car options down the road, rather purchase a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz from us. Guaranteeing perks instead of unpleasant quirks. Visit mercedesbenz.co.za forward slash CPO for more. Tonight on Top Billing, the Guptas host a once-in-a-lifetime Hindu wedding at Sun City. Join us for the North Indian-inspired celebration. Jody Schechter's F1 Museum is a thrill, but his water buffalo ice cream is unbeatable. Hrvt Johan Kutsir shares his fashion secrets. Plus, Chad Leclo pulls a fast one. Join me and my new girlfriend for my 21st party. See you there. Only on Top Billing, Thursday <laughs> Stay with SABC3. Gear yourself for 22 exciting regular Friday evening appointments because Nuit for Nuit is back. We're going to rock you again with brand new music challenges, bubbling contestants, brilliant guest artists and our red hot band. Kick off your shoes, phones off the hook, on with your music hats and come and sing, play and laugh along with us. See you every Friday evening at 7.30 on SABC2 for the usual fun and games associated with Nuit for Nuit. Can't wait. Councillor Parks Tau, Executive Mayor of the City of Johannesburg, the economic hub of Africa, delivers his annual State of the City address on Thursday 9 May at 11 a.m. Check your daily newspaper for information on the live streaming of this event in certain township TV parks. Listen to the live broadcast of his speech on your local community radio station from 11 a.m. Follow us on Twitter at City of Joburg ZA and Facebook City of Johannesburg. Joburg, a world-class African city. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Let's go to the room now and say good afternoon to Mpo More of Sasfin Securities. Mpo, how has the better-than-expected March German industrial output affected trade today? Uh, good afternoon, uh, Bongi. Our market is trading higher with uh, resources the main drivers on the back of uh, another close uh, record close in the U.S. Markets are lower in Europe, where the foot is down 0.1 of a percent, DAX down 0.15 of a percent, and the CAC 40 0.8 of a percent better. Uh, currently, we've got the gold index up 2 percent, resource index up 1.3 percent, industrial index is flat at 45,020 points, financial index up 1 percent. The overall market is up 202 points, or half a percent, to 40,659 points. We had results from uh, Afrimet and uh, Spaniard, and uh, updates uh, from uh, Cash Build and Old Mutual. Uh, firstly, Afrimet released their full year result. Headline earnings per share were up uh, 22.8% to 76.9 cents. That's against 62.6 cents previously. A final dividend of 20 cents per share was declared. Afrimet is currently trading unchanged at 8 rents and 86 cents. Spaniard also released their full year result. Headline earnings per share came in at uh, 50 cents. That's against 53.3 cents previously. A final dividend of 10 cents per share was declared. Spaniat is also trading flat at four cents and eighty-five cents. Old Mutual released their first quarter trading update. Funds under management grew by seven percent to two hundred eighty-eight point four billion pounds. Net cash flow was up seven uh, percent to three point nine billion pounds, and gross sales were up fourteen uh, percent in the life and saving business. Old Mutual is currently trading two point nine percent higher at thirty-one rents and twenty-two cents. Lastly, Cash Build announced that uh, revenue for the first quarter was up one uh, percent, uh, comparing to the previous comparative period. 
stores open since July contributed 2% of the increase, while existing stores decreased by 1%. Cash built is currently trading 5.9% lower at 122 rands and 50 cents. Any big movers today? On the upside, Gutkuro Holdings are 5.2 percent to 19 rands and 90 cents. Hudeco up 3.9 percent to 91 rands and 72 cents. Nampak up 3 and a quarter percent to 36 rands and 34 cents. Harmony up 3.2 percent to 43 rands and 33 cents. Goldfields up 3.1 percent to 62 rands and 75 cents. On the downside, Gutsepi down 4.5 percent to 23 rands and 53 cents. Psycom down 4% to 30 rands and 25 cents. EOH down 3.2% to 54 rands and 60 cents. Distel down 2.9% to 122 rands and 35 cents. And lastly, Naspers down 1.8% to 628 rands and 15 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted $1,469.10 an ounce. Platinum $1,510.60 a fine ounce. Brand crude, $103.84 per barrel. The Garmin R157 is trading at a yield of 4.96%. And now to the currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 8 rands and 98 cents. The rent to the euro is at 11 rands and 82 cents. And lastly, the rent to the pound is at 13 rands and 98. Back to you, Bongi. Thank you very much uh, to Paul Mora. He's with uh, Sasfin Securities. Let's go to our neighboring Zimbabwe now, where the lower house of parliament there is today expected to endorse the constitutional bill with no amendments. The proposed constitution, which requires a two-thirds majority parliament's approval before being signed into law by the country's president, is supposed to provide greater protection of civil liberties. Shingai Nyoga reports. It's been hailed as the dawn of a new political dispensation for Zimbabwe. But is it? Parliament began debating the constitutional bill in a week where two journalists were arrested and charged over a story police say will cause disaffection within the military. The report claimed that the Movement for Democratic Change is courting pro-ZANU-PF army generals to negotiate a peaceful transition should they win the elections, a charge the generals have denied. Rights groups say the media space is shrinking ahead of elections. Irene Petrus is the director for the Zimbabwe Lawyers for Human Rights. There's self-censorship because some media houses feel that their licenses may be pulled if they write about a certain issue. Well, we've handled a lot of cases where journalists have been called in to be questioned about certain cases, particularly around issues relating to corruption in the public sector. And no one is immune from the clampdown, which has also criminalized personal opinion. An MDC youth leader is still behind bars for an alleged slur against the president. Police say that during a political rally, he described Robert Mugabe as a lame donkey. Other people have been arrested for calling him old or for blaming him for the country's economic ruin. Many were reported to police by fellow members of the public. I think the targeting of just ordinary members of the public has made people quite nervous about expressing themselves in public. The 60 cases that we're handling are just those that have been brought to our attention. And most of them are ordinary people who may have been sitting in a bar or at, uh, in, in some public space and venting their own frustrations and their own feelings, perfectly entitled to do so. Uh, but the more that this, these kinds of cases arise and are used as an example, 
the more that people fear being able to speak their minds freely about what is happening. The new constitution is supposed to end the repression, but analysts say that while the charter expands civil liberties, the situation is not likely to be remedied before elections, and that reporters and even the public will continue to face jail or harsh penalties. Takura Jangaja is with the Voluntary Media Council of Zimbabwe. It does not expand the rights of the media. It maintains a restrictive framework. There is an expansion only in wording, but not necessarily in the principle and value. And in any event, freedom of expression is still a right that has direct limitations, such as national interests, public security, etc. And that affects uh, the right of uh, Zimbabweans to express themselves, as has been the case as always. President Mugabe's ZANU-PF party is pushing for the draft to be passed as soon as possible so elections can be held before June the 29th. Shingai Nyoka, SABC News, Harare, Zimbabwe. And further afield, the chief prosecutor to the International Criminal Court says investigations into the two most high-profile cases in Libya have been suspended. Fado Bensuda was addressing the Security Council on her office's work in Libya after the country was referred to the ICC in February 2011. Libya's new government has challenged the admissibility of the ICC cases dealing with the late Muammar Gaddafi's son, Saif al-Islam Gaddafi, and his former intelligence chief, Abdullah al-Sanusi, on the grounds that they are capable of conducting a fair trial according to domestic law. Show and Bryce Pierce reports. Suspended, but only in lieu of a ruling by the ICC judges on the admissibility challenge. The prosecutor commending Libya for following the Rome Statute in challenging their authority. It is commendable that Libya is invoking its rights under the statute through a judicial process. In doing so, Libya demonstrates full understanding of the difference between the Council's political mandate and the ICC's judicial mandate, even where this Council has referred the situation to the International Criminal Court. Fatou Ben Souda also explained the extent to which Libya's arguments needed to satisfy the court. As the statute dictates, a state seeking a finding of inadmissibility of cases before the ICC must satisfy the judges that it is genuinely investigating and prosecuting the same persons for the same conduct as that under investigation by the office of the prosecutor. That is the law, and nothing short of that will suffice. Bensouda says the ICC continues to conduct other investigations in Libya due to the extensive nature of the crimes and capacity constraints of the new government. My office is aware of allegations of serious crimes committed by former Gaddafi officials, some of whom are now outside of Libya. We are currently engaged in the process of documenting the most serious of those crimes and documenting the current activities of those officials who were most responsible for them. Rebels who overthrew the Gaddafi regime are also in the ICC's crosshairs, while the prosecutors stressed they are working closely with the Libyan government to realize a comprehensive strategy for justice. Libyan Ambassador Ibrahim Dabashi says his government is working in the interests of justice as well. Today I would like to state anew Libya's interest to eliminate any links with the practices undertaken by the previous regime and its insistence on the uh, rule of law. Libyan judiciary authorities 
have indicated their insistence on conducting impartial, objective, and transparent trials for all those accused of perpetrating crimes or serious violations of human rights in the course of revolution against the tyrant al-Qaddafi. The tone between both parties was conciliatory, with the prosecutor arguing that despite the future outcome of the court's decision, what happens with Libya's perpetrators will be a page in the history books of international justice, no matter where those investigations and prosecutions take place. The judicial chamber of the court is expected to rule on Libya's admissibility challenge in the coming months. Sherwin Bricepies, SABC News, New York. Indeed, uh, Sherwin is in New York, and he'll make sure that you know that he's in New York, bringing us lovely stories and good topical stories from that side of the world. All right, uh, one SMS here coming from SPO in KwaZulu-Natal. The elections uh, taking place uh, in a free state are nothing except a farce to rubber stamp the imposition of Ace Mahashule to free state people. Even the TTT is a part of uh, this sham, says SPO there in uh, KwaZulu-Natal. And uh, residents of Njawe Nini Kwatuguza on KwaZulu-Natal North Coast have suspended their protest action until Monday next week. The community has been up in arms over the inner availability of public transport for the past two weeks. And uh, the South African Taxi Association Council says the current national bus driver strike has benefited the taxi industry. The drivers who are members of uh, the trade union Satao embarked on a nationwide strike following failed salary negotiations. That does it for your Thursday edition of uh, Midday Live here on SAFM. Thanks to the team Mabubuluka and Mandi Samtelu. Technical producer today is Ndogozo Kuzwayo and uh, our senior producer is uh, normally Mandela. Our executive producers uh, Busisi Wechane and uh, Aubrey Sechie. And uh, of course uh, still to come between 1 and 2 is Nancy Richards with Otherwise. 2 to 4 is uh, Ashraf Garda with uh, Afternoon Talk. And uh, you've got PM Live starting between 4 and 6 this afternoon uh, all the way. And then in the morning you have uh, AM Live coming through from uh, 6 to 8 and uh, 8 to 9 is uh, the forum at 8. My name is Bongikwal. I shall meet with you on Monday by the way. Enjoy the rest of uh, your listening right here on SFM. 104 to 107. Till then, bye-bye.